trip, trip, we gon' get a chop, chop. Yeah, yeah. When I say go, you don't stop, stop, stop. stop. You belong in a life, ain't spot. I right from the top, let it pipe down, nah, nah, nah. Everybody to the right, if you thought. That's what I thought. You would thought, thought, thought. I cut the bug with it. Once you do it once, you have Hello. Hey. Hello. Hi. And welcome to Theater, theater Thoughts. Thoughts. I'm Ty Etherton. And I'm Kira Sweeney. And we're two former theater kids now turned forever theater adults. Whether we like it or not. We're talking about all things theater, education, and the performing arts. So let's get into some theater, theater thoughts. thoughts. Um, that new theme song is absolutely fire. I know. Shout and out to Nick Rogers. Yeah, shout out to our good friend and our Drew Bowley in Rock of Ages. Yeah. The one, the only, I mean, our American Idol. <laughs> <laughs> Dragger, Nick Rogers. Reader. Love you, Nicholas. Yeah, absolutely. It's totally new... changes the game. I yeah, no. It he uh knows how obsessed we are with Beyonce's Renaissance album. And when we were talking about the podcast, he was like, Hey, like I'd be so down to make you guys a theme song and like make it all uh Renaissance. And we were like, Okay, bet. Not and... thinking that he was gonna pull out something that sickening no and he delivered yeah yeah also um how about our new cover art absolutely shout out maddie spillman yeah another friend of the pod absolutely i know it's it's so cool we literally talk about this all the time it is so cool to know so many talented people and people who can do so many awesome things like maddie is a phenomenal graphic designer but can also shred your face off on the guitar yeah um so and play 12 more instruments <laughs> as well she's just, just we have such so talented, talented friends yeah, yeah. Love you um, both. Uh, happy opening, first off. We did it. Another one in the books. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it feels sometimes at this yeah, point. Like, for real. Like, I love that the kids have... It, it's not for us anymore. We're at that no. point. There are very few shows um, that are purely for us. In... And there will be more that come like that, but that's kind of where we're at in our careers, where it's everything we're doing is is for them, for their experience, nothing to do with you know what we want or need. And it's not like we don't think the shows are good no. or that they're not um, ready for an audience or whatever. It's just all like sometimes they're, especially when we we have pulled out so much art in the past 12 months yeah like from our last musical to this we have done so much theater mm -hmm. that sometimes shows like this are fully just like cool i did it yep. and i'm happy and the kids loved it and it was such a great experience for them and and that's what's fun about being like a theater educator is that idea of student centeredness mm -hmm. we get to sometimes not just not not that we're just doing it for us all the time but like sometimes it's not about us in any shape way or form and like and it this is one be. of the situations where both you and i are in the same boat where we're like great they did it and that's awesome and i'm super happy for them i'm really excited to have opportunities you know in my life like leaving work at a normal hour again and like doing stuff like that um yeah. and also it's really awesome giving them the chance to do this so we did it it's down yeah Catch us with some free time now. Book us, baby. You. Yeah, that's true. You start another show. Yeah. Move on in. <laughs> Can't wait. Um, today's episode, we are continuing our conversation from our season opener, which is so fun to be back. I can't believe it. It's yeah. so crazy. Yeah. Um, and, last... and thank you to everyone who reached out to us and yeah. was like, 
the you know we're so happy you're back the episode was awesome like it it means so much to hear from you guys yeah. so thank you to everyone who is like and our new sharing in that excitement with us our yeah. new audiences that are like oh my goodness this is the first episode i've listened to yeah and i said well welcome yeah and we were talking about rock of ages what we've been working on for like the past six months and mm-hmm. it's kind of come to an end and that's why we started thinking about our school yeah. shows and, and all of that and, and for us having a conversation is a huge part of the theatrical experience is that reflection and that um aspect of you know why why we make art why why we see art why we have those experiences um and so today is a script tease episode what the hell is a script tease well you guys should know if you are former or well-seasoned thoughts but if you're new to the pod um, we are using our script tease episodes as a way to um, show you how to have a conversation about a piece of theater. We are modeling what that should look like, how we reflect on what we feel, what we see, what we think after we see a show. Because theater is meant to be discussed. Mm-hmm. Preach. So yeah. that's what we're trying to it's do. It's about taking what you know, um, expanding upon um especially if you are a theater thought right expanding upon um your opinions and and your what you recall um putting in additional research and time and energy into understanding the show um and then creating that dialogue with someone else who can share that and so um we enjoy our script tease episodes um i'm excited for this we one because we it's rather than a show that we saw it's one that we lived So I'm sure we'll have some different insights in terms of a conversation around that. That's unique from some of those other script tease episodes that we've done. Absolutely. So let's break down Rock of Ages. All right. Um, A bit of background information. So I am in graduate school Mm -hmm. for theater education um, because lifelong learner and also mama. She wants that pay raise. <laughs> Let me get that coin. Let me get that coin. Yeah. So um, I started it. It's online. Um, this last uh, semester um, was about learning about like dramaturgical research, providing research, um, uh, understanding the ins and outs of a script. Um, and it was a good time. Which both of us are kind of pseudo history buffs. Yeah. We a took a lot of it. history yeah. classes in college. We both, I'm sure, enjoyed it when we were in high school. Um, and and so, you know, the idea of, like, researching something is is fun for yeah. us. So it was really cool to get to, you know, secondhand experience all this yeah. research you did. And to yeah. this show that very much could have easily been very surface level. Yeah. So we had to pick a show, and I said it would be stupid to not do rock of ages when i'm going to rehearsal three times a week on it like i can use it not only to because it's easier to understand because i'm living every moment of it but also because um as a um like educator it's important that if i'm putting this research i should give it back to the cast and so it was very cool putting out this paper this paper is like 55 pages long um, that covers so much of the show. Um, and so many cast members read elements of it, parts of it that that if not helped them with their role, made them understand like the specialness of Rock of Ages. Because Rock of Ages at surface level is a very campy kind of like 
parody of musical theater, right? Um, but when you really break down break it down, um, the writers and and those that were involved in the production put in a lot of time and effort to really make their certain like subtle nuances that actually are like quite intelligent. Um, it also kind of changed the Broadway game. I don't think it gets the creds it oh, deserved absolutely. in terms of what it did for bringing a new audience to the Broadway stage. Oh, yeah, let's totally give it the credit right that in. it deserves. So Rock of Ages, um, uh, the main name that you need to know um, is writer Christy Renzo, um, who was originally a um, film screenplay writer. Um, as well as a film director, um, started writing a musical that featured um, rock and roll hair band songs from the 1980s um, from bands like Journey and Bon Jovi and um, Sister Sledge. No, I'm not Sister Sledge. Twisted Sister? Twisted Sister. <laughs> um, Sister Sledge has the... Um, <laughs> Um, you make me feel mighty real. That would be a very different show That's if different, that were in there. But that, that pops off yes. as well. Um, and so let's break down what it's all about. Okay. So takes place in 1987 in the West Hollywood Club, the Burby, Bourbon Room. Burby. The Burby Room? Burby Room. The uh, Bourbon. The Bourbon Room, which is a seedy, sordid, vibrant um, bar that is the heart of the Sunset Strip. It's real, by the way. Yeah. It's an actual place. The music venue has seen better days, but as run by chilled out former rock impressionaro Ooh. Dennis Dupree, full on 70s star. Daddy Dennis. Yeah, for real. And tended to by Dennis's mischievous assistant, Lonnie. Lonard. Lonard Sconard. <laughs> as we like to call him. <laughs> it is the essential of rock and roll. So you have Dennis and Lonnie who run. You the... almost just called him Lonard. I saw Lonard. that. <laughs> Okay, sorry. Len Lennis, Lennis and Donard, Donnie, <laughs> Dennis and Lonnie are the uh, bar owners. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and they also have a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed rock uh, dreamer, Drew Boley, um, who also works there. Um, and the story starts when bright-eyed, young, hopeful Sherry Christian, a small-town girl who wants to make it as a big actress, arrives in town and she bumps into Drew, the bourbon room busboy with dreams of rock and roll stardom. Love struck, struck Drew convinces Dennis to hire Sherry and the stage seems set for their romance. But when the mayor of West Hollywood, persuaded by a couple of scheming German real estate developers, announces his intention to demolish the bourbon room and the entire gritty sunset strip, the stakes are raised. So now we have multiple layers of the plot, right? Mm -hmm. You have um, Which Drew and I'm Sherry. I'm sorry if you've seen the movie. Yeah, oh, the let's talk about The stage musical is so different. So you think you know Rock of Ages, girl. No, you just know Tom Cruise's Rock right. of Ages. And also the music, the Broadway musical came first. This is my Rock of Ages. This is Christy Arenzo's Rock <laughs> of Ages, girl. You don't, you don't know Miss Chris? You don't know her? <laughs> Put some respect on her name, okay? <laughs> I just love that because you just said respect. R-E-S-P-E-C-K. Respect. Put some respect on her name. Yeah. As you should. Um. Yeah, so... Uh, these characters are not in the movie version, okay? So um, the mayor of West Hollywood 
um, meets Hertz and um, Franz Kleinman, two German real estate uh, agents, a father-son duo, um, not real estate agents, real estate developers, developers. Um, who believe that um, the sun parts of the Sunset Strip should be knocked down for um, retail um, and living and all of that. Um, they're matched with the mayor's assistant, Regina Kuntz, um, who tries to yes. teach them about uh, the importance of rock and roll. Yes, her name is Regina. Mm -hmm. It's a whole bit. And we know these characters very well because <laughs> yeah. we were them. <laughs> yeah. um, we did not really talk about our roles, but yeah. just as we'll get into it, right? Yeah, you we'll played, talk. You played Regina and, and I played Franz. Franz, so. Okay, so those two were trying to shut down the bourbon room. Yeah, so the stage is set for like major change. There's conflict amidst, right? Um, to make matters even worse, um, a way to raise money um, because Dennis said, uh, it, it's brought it to their attention that the reason they're being shut, shut down is they're um, not generating, they're not enough, generating enough tax, tax revenue. revenue. Um, and so they need to do something big in order to do that. So Dennis convinces rock <laughs> god Stacy Jacks, lead singer of mega band Arsenal, to play the band's last show at the Bourbon Room, hopeful that the money will uh, that the money raised will stop the building from being demolished. But Stacy, a man of massive charisma and massive ego, leaves destruction in his wake, sleeping with Sherry, and getting knocked out by his own band before the concert's over. What? So he comes in. Sherry is completely gobsmacked by this egotistical douchebag of a rock god, Stacy. Um, and Drew has made it very clear um, in his nerves that her, him and Sherry are just friends because he's trying to take it slow. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to scare her away. So she goes, oh, we're just friends. I will um, go sleep with Stacy. So she does. And then Drew's like, what the heck? You just slept with him. And she goes, you said we were friends, baby question poll for the for the group if you were in sherry's shoes would you also sleep with stacy jacks like knowing that that's a rock star for the yeah, bit for the bit i would for the bit i would too probably yeah, yeah. why not drew he's a bus boy at a dirty ass bar he said we were friends girl <laughs> sorry <laughs> we were drinking wine coolers <laughs> we were just hanging out at the hollywood sign and now i'm hanging out with stacy so she starts she has one into Corson with uh him and so drew's all up in his feels okay um but um we get some um problems because in the midst of the violent anti-demolition protests brought to you by regina Ayo. um sherry flees to a nearby strip club um and drew falls into the clutches of a boy band because they get into an argument about like uh, well, what are you talking about? Because they both have feelings for each other, baby. But they're not going to do that. So, um, and Stacy kicks um, Sherry to, Sherry the, to curb. the curb and is like, "Baby, I just slept with you once." Okay. Um, so, who can save the Bourbon Room? The young lovers and the feuding Germans. Only Lonnie, the dramatic conjurer, knows for sure, right? And so he's the narrator of the story. Um, Sherry goes to the strip club meets the strip club owner starts dancing the venus um and with justice charlier yeah. the icon the legend and so then drew is in this boy band mm -hmm. they both are doing stuff that does not fulfill them mm -hmm. right and they're so miserable then in the middle of act two 
um, we start to see um, the armor crack in what they believe is their strength and realizing that they truly want to be with one another. Mm -hmm. Um, And so um, they confess, you know, their unhappiness to one another um, and that they are destined to um, be together while simultaneously um, Dennis and Lonnie have understood that nothing they do is going to stop Hertz from um, destroying the Sunset Strip. Mm -hmm. Um, His son, Franz, though, is starting to realize that there's something special about rock and roll. And Regina does a lot of, sees um, Franz as an opportunity to really speak to them Mm -hmm. um, and communicate. Um, And so all of these different things, all the characters are at their lowest um, in the middle of Act 2. Can we talk about the fact that I didn't know that um, Hartz was trying to kill himself in that one scene until it was like two weeks before the show. And I was like, wait, what? I'm talking him off the ledge. Yeah, because you were also going to jump. Yeah, for the bit. Yeah. But like he was actually like depressed. Yeah, because his son basically says, "Um, no, I'm going to be a part of this anti-demolition protest rock and roll needs to say and he was like but i was doing it all for you and then he realizes oh my gosh i'm making a terrible mistake and then he's kind of to the rescue yeah so then he fixes his relationship with his son while maintaining um uh uh or he changes his mind Mm -hmm. about destroying the sunset strip lonnie and dennis um the bourbon room is saved they're happy Drew and Sherry finally confess their feelings to one another. All is good. And then they sing Don't Stop Believing," And everything is saved. So when we come back, we're going to talk all about the ins and outs of Rock of Ages. We'll be right back. taste of what's happening i was just about to say i don't know what i was supposed to say next <laughs> hey we're Line? talking about rock of ages rock, rock on rock of ages which um also was not in the original musical yeah only recently added in so def leopard don't know her you're a phony liar even you're, though the name of the you're show you're a bandwagoner girl yeah that's what you are hey let's talk about a ton of production history so sweet i have tons of facts i'd love your thoughts and opinions um, just as I run through this. So let's Sweet. get the lowdown on like its journey to the show or journey to like the iconicness that it is now. Right. Absolutely. In our eyes, it's iconic. But to a lot of people, it's like, oh, that movie. And it's like, no, it was no, also guys, like. It was like a, a semi-decent musical. Right. <laughs> um. So in 2005, it ran for a limited engagement preview in a dingy Los Angeles bar. They were like, let's just basically do this like musical about a dingy Papa. LA bar. Like it was. Fully was a pop-up bar. It was at the King King. Don't um, know And her. it ran there um, for a little while. And then they were like, okay, we got something. Where do you take something that's special but not that special? Las Vegas. Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it went to Las Vegas um, and did okay. Um, and then uh, it finally went to um, do its Broadway tryout uh, in off-Broadway in 2008. 
Um, and uh, so that's three years after that's three years after. Okay. Um, and while it was off Broadway, it was losing money left and right. It was, they were putting more money into it. Um, and so producers at that time sold the rights to, uh, it's not Paramount. It might've been Paramount. Warner Brothers? Maybe. Sold them to a, Universal? a, a production company, um, to the movie rights. The people in Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. Those Hollywood hobos. Um, to do the movie <laughs> <rights>. <laughs> Um, and so, um, thinking that it wasn't going to do well. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so it was losing a ton of money, but there were so many people that were flocking there. Weren't they in like a huge theater? They were in a giant theater off Broadway and when they first went to Broadway. So yeah. when they first went to Broadway in the March, in March of 2009, um, they really were too big for their bridges. They were in the Brooke Atkinson theater, which is currently where six is held. Um, and it was just too big. Um, so they downsized to the Helen Hayes theater, um, actually made it feel more like a dingy bar. Um, and that's where it ran for 22 previews and 2,328 performances. Okay. And then it closed in 2015. So it had a six year run on Broadway, That's pretty which good. is pretty good for a Broadway show. Um, uh, the so, biggest thing about that was that it was attracting a different crowd to Broadway. Absolutely. So what was happening was there were people that were interested in the music of the show that were going. And Mamma Mia had already um, seen success, seen success in London um, and on, on Broadway. Broadway um, and and the, the idea of a jukebox, juke, jukebox musical a juke was not box. Juke the dupe box a dupe box musical um a jukebox musical had already seen success on broadway so this wasn't new what this was is this style was so not musical theater that i think it attracted a lot of people and christy arenzo talks about the fact that growing up that was very much his style is that he was someone that um would hang out with the kids in his midwestern cornfield town um and listen to these rock bands um, but then also go home and listen to classical musical theater. And so he had these two passions that he wanted to mix together and he absolutely Why was not? able to do it. Um, and so it was just about finding a specific plot to do it with. Um, you're kidding me. Some of the like arrangements for this show oh, yeah. were ridiculously good. Like you SATB arrangement of the final countdown. You got me you're fucked joking. up. <laughs> You are joking, bitch. It's so good. Yeah, it is it's so good. I'm not bleeping it. We're just going to call it. <laughs> I'm not doing that anymore. Um, okay, so um, I just gave you the full run. Let's kind of sprinkle some bits and pieces of information yeah. in there. So when it was opening in that dingy bar in LA, before it got taken to Vegas, um, they just needed like wannabe actors and actresses to play these roles. Um, and so it's so funny thinking about these actors and actresses um, because who they got are actually like quite notable people. So um, the original Sherry was Laura Bell Bundy, who's the original Elle Woods in Legally Blonde. Oh, we know Icon. Laura. Yeah. We know her. Hey, bitch. Hey, bitch. Hey, girl. Icon. Absolute, absolute icon. But at that time, she was not. Yeah. Um, it was soon this after. This was pre-Legally Blonde. Yeah. This was after, uh, would have been after Hairspray. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so she was she was decent. She was known. decent, right? Um, James Snyder, who uh 
was in If, if then. then. He also played, um, I don't even know what his name is in the actual movie, um, but he played the Malvolio character in She's the Man. You know the guy with the spider? Yes. That's James Snyder. Oh my God. Is that not so weird? That's yeah. totally him, he was though. In She's the Man with Amanda Bynes. Um, he played the original Drew. Um, and then um, Kyle Bass from Tenacious D, Jack Black's Tenacious D, um, played uh, the first Lonnie, right? So these are big character names, um, but it was still small. They tried it out at a production company, um, like an actual film studio with an audience um, to see if it would do better. And it was doing okay and fine. And so they said, okay, let's pick this shit up and let's move to Vegas. Um, and the Vegas went to a full new cast um this is when they got constantine right constantine had joined the cast once they went into vegas and he stayed um constant until broadway yeah um they were at the flamingo which where the rupaul's drag race live show is currently at um i'm just sprinkling all the things that matter to me in (laughs) so just so everyone's aware that's where the the dolls are currently (laughs) flipping and twirling um But what's super cool is when they were doing their Flamingo residency, um, it was at the time where VH1 and MTV wanted to be really involved with musical theater. And they thought this was a perfect example, right? Um, If you recall, a couple years later after this, um, MTV recorded the original Broadway production of Legally Blonde. Um, and I still watch that I was just at gonna least say, quarterly. Comfort film. Quarterly. It's I not even watch. a film, yeah. but like that is my... Yeah comfort film it's on youtube the full thing's on youtube and just watch it um so they started putting a lot of money for advertising you mean the highest bootleg budget of all time (laughs) absolutely (laughs) um but they never recorded the show which is such a shame to see where it was Uh, versus where it is now yeah um but they were plugging a lot of advertising to try to get it to go to new york okay and ultimately it went to new york so mtv was backing this. mtv and vh1 were backing it so they had the network um and so they were ready to go to New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, Isn't that where they had like the bourbon room girls or something? You were telling me about this. Okay, so they had it um, after. Once it was in New York, um, one of the uh, hotels, it wasn't the Flamingo anymore. I forget what hotel had a bourbon room where they would do like snippets of the show. And it was like a bar with like a theater in the back. And they had the bourbon room girls. That were like the bartenders. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, but it wasn't like the complete show. It oh, was just okay. Like a, it was almost like uh, you doing like the Hard Rock Cafe does Rock of Ages. It was just like random. Like the bar is Rock of Ages. So it was themed. like a cabaret kind yeah, of. Yeah, it was like it was themed Rock of Ages theme, but it wasn't actually interesting. Rock of Ages. Yeah, it was odd. There's a lot of odd <laughs> stuff throughout this. Um, so they go to Off Broadway, and if you didn't know producing shows is expensive shocker and so mtv mtv and vh1 were only going to provide contractually like 30 percent of the budge for this show so they are asking anybody and everybody um and money please they got the money from a bunch of investors they start rehearsing the first week of off-broadway previews the reviews are lukewarm Mm. and that's kind of like a nail in the coffin when the reviews, because uh, musical theater critics are like, this is not musical theater like Chicago or Phantom of the Opera. That's not what they were trying or to do, anything. girl. 
So here's the funny thing is the critics were like, mm, no, but random ass audience members were racing to the theater. Okay. People wanted to go see it because it was so not Broadway. You mean musical Kenny's theater. over there on his Facebook typing. I just saw the most life-changing thing yeah. ever on Broadway guys. Queen had... of UNCO theater. Ed <laughs> Mary Shuttler yeah. was there saying, if you don't go see the show, your mom's a hoe. Your mom's a hoe. <laughs> Direct quote. Sorry, Mayor. <laughs> Love you, girl. Love your spirit. <laughs> no, audiences absolutely loved they it. They were eating it. So up. they yeah. start to see an influx of ticket sales only to match the debt that they have found themselves in. So okay. they're not making money, but they're like, we should might as well keep going because mm -hmm. we're doing fine. Yeah. And then I think you hit a certain level where you're like, this should be taken to Broadway. And so it moves to Broadway and it moves into the Brooks Atkinson theater. It realizes it doesn't do well there. And so it moves to the Helen Hayes. And at the Helen Hayes is when they put the band on stage. So they did a couple things at the Helen Hayes that are really cool. First thing is they put the band on stage. Yeah, this is um, a rock musical. Which Hello. Is perfect because then they wrote in lines where they directly interact with the band. And in our production, we did the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. um, it was better because it was a smaller theater. So sound could equip having the band on stage, having their monitors and our monitors and all of that combined. Um, and that was really cool. The next thing that it did is before this, Broadway theaters were not serving alcohol in their theaters. Where like you could take it in and sit down with it in your seat. They weren't doing that. So the owner of the Helen Hayes and the entire production staff of Rock of Ages really wanted to create an atmosphere where you were walking into the bourbon room and you had a drink in your hand. Like dingy plastic cups, straws, vodka sodas, not the high-end wine drinks or anything like no you're seeing all. a rock show i'm sorry they're singing white snake up there yeah. and you're sipping on your white wine absolutely yeah. not girl. so they really capitalized on that and worked out with the city of new york so that they could take it to their seats and they started serving like crappy ass bar drinks yeah and what that did is propelled the norm of Broadway shows being able to you, you being able to take your drink to your seat. So again, Karen, while you're sitting in your theater with your red wine in your hand, you know who you can thank. Christy Renzel. Christy. <laughs> Daddy Chris <laughs> and the production team of Rock of Ages. <laughs> um, okay. So it does really well on Broadway. Um, and the movie starts to go into production. Now yes. this is super wild. Christy Arenzo. I told you right at the beginning that he, he was, was a, a film director. writer. Yeah. Um, and so he was originally, um, uh, chalked to be the director for the movie. I mean, it only makes um, sense. And so they go in and, uh, producers have a lot of stake in the game. They had a lot of, um, creative, um Ideas? control mm. um because they chris didn't know if this was going to get off its feet so they ended up um having a lot of investment and uh like copyright uh um percentage in the copyrights um and so uh new media productions is the uh company that took it over and they had a lot of rewrites they wanted to do mm. okay they really wanted to focus it on stacy 
They had Tom Cruise in their mind at the beginning. And Christy Arenzo was like, I don't really want you destroying the structural integrity of like the show. I don't think you should do this. I don't think you should do this. I don't think you should do this. And they said, okay, who the hell are you? You don't really matter. Goodbye. We're replacing you. Well, yeah, and so they completely shut him out of the production. It's not Stacy's story. And like in the musical, he does not get a redemption arc. Like, no. sorry, Stacy, you're there to show, you know, how some people don't change. But he he got a full like, oh, he turned himself around and like all right. this stuff edit in the movie. Right. Right. And and that right. And that too. Um and like our characters got absolved in the movie version. And yeah. Wasn't there the one thing where you were talking about how Christy Renzo was reading the rewrites and there was a So here's the direct quote. Yeah. Um Christy Renzo has a BuzzFeed inter- interview. Um, and he says, I think it's safe to say it doesn't really look like our stage show. It was very clear that he, Adam Shankman, um, who had taken over um, the oh, show. Oh, man, I love Adam Shankman. <laughs> yeah. No, he took over the show and started directing it. Um, that he and the production team thought that the stage show was very problematic and an adaptation. Um, and, and that as an adaptation for film, it would not work. So he got rid of me and he brought on several writers to rewrite the script. And it was just kind of gone. And then I sort of heard who the cast was. And then they made the film. And I've only seen parts of the movie, so I can't comment on the whole thing. But what's clear to me from the parts I've watched is that there feels like there's an underlying disdain or at best dismissive sense of the era and the music. Mm. So he felt really connected to that. And they were not all about it. Okay. I also thought there was like another direct quote where he was like, the second I read the script and Tom Cruise had a monkey, had a monkey. I yep, knew it wasn't absolutely. my show. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. He completely saw it wasn't. And um, uh, in the box office, it did not do well. It mm. came in like number five behind Prometheus and Madagascar 3 Escape <laughs> to Africa. <laughs> so, um, hey, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more um, about the success of the show. And then we're going to kind of break down our uh, interpretation um, of uh, our characters and some of the technical elements when we come back. Circus. <laughs> You're telling me that did better than the Rock of Ages movie? Yeah, it really did. So that just goes to prove. Um, during the commercial break, Kira was surfing through uh, uh, the socials, and I was trying to find some like notable people that have played some of these roles before. Work. Okay. Um, so we talked about Laura Bell Bundy and James Snyder. Um, Constantine Maralith. Um, from American Idol was Drew for the That's majority of the That's who you hear run. on the cast recording. Yeah, Amy Spanger, um, who didn't have a ton of um, credits past this. Um, she was the original Sherry. Um, James Carpinello was the original Stacy. Um, on our favorite bootleg, Chester say, C. Yeah. Anyone remember him from YouTube? Nice guys, finish last. That song raised me. Um, he played Stacy at one point. Our um, Lord and Savior's brother, <laughs> Mr. Frankie Grande. Please, Frankie Grande is like <laughs> he Joseph. Is. Jo- he's, Joseph. He's Joseph. He was no. He is. Uh, uh, if Ariana 
is Jesus. Yeah. Um, uh, Frankie is Judas. Judas, Judas. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Frankie Grande. Yeah. Um, um, who other was the, big ones. Who's the original Franz? He's also kind of famous because he was in uh, SpongeBob. Wesley Taylor. Yes. Yep, Wesley Taylor. Um, other notable people, Jeremy Jordan had played Drew yes. at one point. He met his wife. Yeah. In Rock of Ages. I think um, she was just in the chorus, but Kate Rockwell, who was um Karen in, in mean, mean Girls, Girls, the musical. She yeah. She played Sherry at one point. Dee Snyder from Twisted Sister um played Dennis on Broadway um and got to be a part of it. I'm sorry, my um, jaw just dropped. Here's the one that gagged me. Um a Broadway replacement for Regina oh. was Randy Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg's sister. Get it, girl. The social network. She said, it's my time to shine. She said, I'm going to go. Be you know who Regina. else was in it? Who? Dot Jones. From. She, she was, was the first female, female Dennis. Dennis. Yeah. Yeah. It, so it absolutely um, kills. Um, some of its notable nominations. It got five nominations at the Tonys. Best musical, best performance by a leading actor. Work. It got a best musical yeah. nod. <laughs> Must have been a rough year. <laughs> <laughs> um, best director of a musical, best costume design, best sound design. It did not win anything. Um, it won a Theater World Award Work. Um, for Wesley T Taylor's um, Franz. Franz. That's the only award. Franz should ever get won. a nod. Let's hear it for the Franz. Let's hear it for the Franz. Okay, speaking of Franz, let's break down um, what our characters are. Our characters are secondary plot point characters. Yes. Which, here's the deal. Drew and Sherry, super important. And I love both humans, because I know both humans that played them in our production are listening to this right now. But I will say this. Drew and Sherry, boring. I mean, they're, they're the romantic leads. Boring. They're just, they, they're there so that the story has meaning. Boring. <laughs> okay. Um, the secondary characters are the humor of the show. Yes. They add the comedy bits to it. Yeah. And nothing is more comedic. Okay, than... but you can't discredit Nick and Beth's performances. I'm not. Oh, I'm not discrediting them. I know you're not. I'm just saying like they, they were very honest in that um, you know, that pull and take that those characters need in order to make their like messy love story work. And you can't have slapstick for two hours long. Absolutely not. It wouldn't be funny. No, you need to they, break it up they walked so that meat. we could run. Yeah, you have to have the meat in there. So when you get the little spice and a little giblets, yeah. um, it actually is like a full. Monty and milk. Dennis are, I, I would say they're, they're a little bit of both. They have some serious, but they're also their humor is much different than the humor that Franz and Regina are giving. Um, but Franz and Regina are caricatures of humans. Oh, one thousand percent. They're not real. Human a majority beings. of the people in this show are, and for a very specific reason, so that people like Drew, who thinks he has yeah. to be this caricature of a, you know, of a person to be this rock star and to have this life that he wants, when really he he just wants that human experience that he doesn't realize that until he meets another human who he thinks to sees him the way he wants and needs to be seen. Well, and another reason Drew and Sherry are, are important, right? I, when I say boring, it's just the fact of as an actor, me playing it, I could not play someone. <laughs> I'm a, a romantic heterosexual lead pass. But also I think what's important is 
like we've said in the production history with Christy Renzo saying, this is a funny parody of a musical, but there's also a lot of heart and there's also a lot of depth that makes the musical theaterness of this really substantial. And I think that's in Drew and Sherry's characters is their journey is very um, non-linear in that they are trying out so many different things before realizing that what matters most in their life is each other. Each other. Mm-hmm. But Franz and Regina are whack. Yes. We got to be so goofy. Goofy goofs. We were, yeah, a goonie goo goo and up all up <laughs> on that stage. Um, So Regina Kuntz starts out as this really, she reminds me of Sigourney Weaver in Working Girl. That was the vision. I've seen so many versions of this and I didn't want to be, I wanted to be quirky, but I also didn't want to be like, like, you know, hello, uh, my baby. This, hello, my darling. Hello. I didn't want to be like this hippie yeah. version of her right out of the gate. I wanted to give her a journey. Yeah, she's got to. She build. wanted to evolve. Um, and so yeah, I I tried to play her a little bit more like pulled back, a little bit more straight laced when you first met her. Like she was trying to be the thing that you know when someone thinks that they have to act and look a certain way in order to be to do what they want to do. Yes. That's kind of how I saw that beginning of her. Where like it's not really her, but she's gonna put on the pantsuit, she's gonna go to work, and she's gonna be a girl boss because that's what she thinks she has to do to be successful. And so then when the first time we meet Regina is the first time we meet Franz. Franz. Mm-hmm. And Franz, right from the get-go, you realize is under the guise, under the control of his father. Mm-hmm. He is doing this because his father snaps at him to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so their first interaction is Hertz and Franz versus Regina in this song. We sing, we built this city. Um, and we realize that you're talking about, no, we can't. Like, this city has so much history because mm-hmm. of rock and roll. And then we're on the flip side saying, nope, we just need to destroy it. It's ruining the city. It's ruining everything. Um, and that's when we see a shift in Regina, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then from there, where does the character start to go to? Oh, she just like, you know, throws all caution to the wind and is like, I'm going to fight for what I believe in. I, I think I had a line there where, where you know, uh, Hertz is questioning why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I'm like, because I believe in my cause yeah. granted, some of her methods are a little extreme, but, um, you know, I, I think there's, she represents a group of people, this kind of like free love, um, you know, uh, rock is, is, is powerful. Rock is valid. Rock is, you know, a way of life type of person. And, you know, the second that, that, um, you know, stance in her life and in other people's lives is questioned she's like you know f it i'm i'm gonna do whatever i have to do whether that's you know uh passing out flyers and singing we're not gonna take it in the middle of the strip or whether that's you know chaining myself to the building or you know marching around like doing i think hunger strike or you know she's just this like larger than life character but it it is that 
that person who's going to fight for what they believe in and they're going to go to all extremes because they believe in it so much. Um, And I think that's where I really resonated with her was just, you know, fighting for what you believe in. Would I ever do half the shit that she does? Absolutely not. But that, you know, passion and that fight and that drive for the people you care about and the thing that you're passionate about, that was, I think, where I really leaned into and where I kind of found, you know, some of myself in her. And then I got to be wild and crazy and scream and, you know. That, well, I think that character, so my character's journey, Franz, the, the, the character of Franz is fully based on seeing your character do that. And the change he makes about himself is watching your character be unapologetically themselves and do whatever it is that they need to do to achieve their dreams or their fight for their cause, right? Um, the dialogue that you and I share, um, you on multiple occasions talk about the fact of like, you have dreams, or Regina says, you have dreams, Franz, like you should be chasing after them. It's not just about what your dad says. Um, and then finally in the big uh, uh, all out FU number, um, hit me with your best shot, right? There's uh, there, there's humor in the- You uh, finally uh, standing up for yourself. Yeah. yeah, there's humor in the way he does it. But ultimately what it is, is it saying, you know what? No, this is what I want. Hit me, let's fight, let's go do whatever you need to do. But ultimately what it is, is it's a, it's a political protest um of his own right regina's is more uh explicit bold right (laughs) yeah but his is saying no dad i'm standing up for myself he ultimately wants to um be an individual he has you know dreams in the confectionery world um but ultimately yeah chocolates homemade candies (laughs) um but but i think what anybody can get from this conversation is that um not saying that our characters are small but Um, You can get a script, play with it so much, and then feel so connected to the smallest of roles and the smallest of lines and really build on something big. Um, Also, the fact that, like, Franz is totally flaming, but also not. That was, the like, the funniest gag of the whole show. People would roll. They would cackle every single night at that line, and it's so funny. Well, because they knew what they were doing, I think. Um, as we step into like our final thoughts on the show and we could talk about so many things, the technical elements, the everything, but, um, I implore people to look up the bootlegs online, um, bourbon room, slime tutorials, tutorials. (laughs) um, I think something that's so funny is that the writers knew the certain jokes they put in, they are so not like the typical musical theater humor comedic punchlines it's like someone made a joke in the writer's room and someone said oh my god we have to put that in and they did and they did and so i (laughs) think i'm not gay i'm german these offhanded jokes you can't even like (laughs) wait who's that over there oh waitress number one oh no (laughs) the other one oh sherry the fact that waitress number one has no name and is referenced to on multiple occasions as waitress number one is fantastic yeah that's it's a comedy. parody of musical theater yeah that is it yeah um and then in after the movie came out and and the the uh the script that we have performed now there's a whole scene between drew and lonnie where they talk about 
Hey, you're that was a, a musical. movie flop. <laughs> yeah, there was a music, a movie. Oh, was it any good? Tom Cruise had a monkey. It kind of flopped, right? They're very explicit about like, yeah, uh, it's it, and it's Christy Lorenzo's writing, so yeah. it's really, really yeah. awesome. Well, and in the, the, I mean, the story is we, as you know, you've heard us poking fun at it this entire episode. It really, actually, is such a fun show, and I think it really. I mean, we were fans of it before, but I think it really grew on the two of us throughout the and yeah. everyone involved throughout the process and being like, don't count this show out. Yeah, it's not just silly. Don't just credit it it is silly and stupid it is like totally campy and ridiculous and everything that you know most musicals are not but that's why it's so brilliant it is so intentionally silly Mm -hmm. and stupid there is an intention it is not just silly and stupid because it is it is intentionally written that way and when you really take the time to watch it and read it and notice it Mm -hmm. you see the intention within the script yeah um it's got a whole lot of you know like comedy but it also has heart yeah and i think that's the thing like the last line of the show you and i talk about it all the time because it so brilliantly ties that show up it in closest to what can be a a neat little bow the dreams Um, you come in with may not be the dreams you leave with but hey they still rock yeah so good it is it like i don't know i could not imagine that show ending of any other way and then you know getting to sing don't stop believing and the crowd is you know up on their feet and it's it's just such a good time yeah so you you definitely definitely if if you have not listened to um, the soundtrack at least listen um, and focus with the stage musical, not the movie of Rock of Ages. If you took an interest to Rock of Ages because of the movie, yes, the elements from that movie are in the musical, but the musical has so much more and mm-hmm. has so much more that you need to dig into. So definitely stay involved with that. Yeah. Look it up. It's it's a, it's one of those, like I said, you just can't count it out. Yeah. Rock That's on. How, how, how I feel about that for sure. Hey, we want to thank you for listening to today's yeah. episode, the script tease episode. These script tease episodes are going to be sprinkled through yes. and our if you, normally programming. And if you saw the show or if you're someone who has a knowledge of Rock of Ages and you want to share your thoughts with us um, about, you know, what you get from Rock of Ages or what you got from our production or just, you know, thoughts on the show in general, you can always reach out to us on our Instagram. Which is T-H-E-A-T-R-E podcast. The thing, not the place. That's our Theater Thoughts uh, official um instagram account yes um you can also make sure uh you are staying involved by liking following and subscribing wherever you are listening from so that way every time we release a new episode you get a notification all right and mess with the algorithm okay get the (laughs) get get her moving up the charts yeah yeah and just like they did for for rock of ages write a little review get the people flocking yeah (laughs) Get those girly bops flocking. Tell us how amazing this was to your ears. Okay. <laughs> and while you're uh, sipping on this episode, um, you can uh, enjoy it before uh, in two weeks' time. We have another wondrous. You got this. I'm all this. out of words. Um, powerful. Rockin'. And power to the proletariat! <laughs> Episode of Theater Thoughts. Hey, we'll see you later. Goodbye. Goodbye.
trip, trip, we gon' get a chop, chop. Yeah, yeah. When I say go, you don't stop, stop, stop. stop. You belong in the life, ain't spot. I right from the top, let it pipe down, nah, nah, nah. Everybody to the right, if you thought. That's what I thought. You would thought, thought, thought.